Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Toyota of Brookhaven has been voted best new car dealership in Southwest Mississippi four years in a row. Come see the difference. Exit 40 Brookhaven or online at toyotabrookhaven.com. Great service, great savings. At Toyota of Brookhaven, we deliver. What is up on a Friday? I am Brian Scott Rippey. My co-conspirator, as always, is Colin Brister. We appreciate you hanging out with us on this Friday, October 18th edition of the Rebel Report Podcast. It is Mailbag Friday. It is the People's Holiday. We've got your questions. We'll wrap up some A&M talk. We've got Greg's results from last week. We don't have him on the show. We may or may not have his picks. I'm not really sure. Um, But we'll get into that some. We'll make picks and then just kind of roll into usual Friday. Hope everything is well with y'all. Hope it's maybe a payday. I don't know how you get paid, but hopefully you are prepping to spend the weekend doing something fun but responsibly podcast brought to you by lbs it's growing season it's 60 and sunny outside it is crisp cool air it is time to put stuff on the grill make sure you go to the right place go see greg at lbs across from university or on university avenue across from kroger he's got steaks he's got sausages custom cuts he's doing all kinds of daily specials he's got lunch plates he's got it all so for all of your meat needs in oxford go see greg LB's has the meats. Um, what's up? Not much, not much. Uh, it was uh, we had an okay weekend. Pickle. It was, it was. We didn't, we didn't burn the casino down by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, I figure we got to ours on Wednesday. What, what was Greg? Greg was a C. He was eight and five in the NFL. Let's see, six and four in college. So that is fourteen and nine. And I went 13 and I'm, pulling, I'm trying to figure it out. I went 13 and 10, and you went 11 and 12. So he beat me by a game this week. So he got all of us. So it really is Greg the Meat Sharp. So Yeah, yeah, correct. Go for Greg for all of your gambling and your meat needs. <laughs> um, I guess we'll just get right into the questions. I uh, I guess we'll see where it takes us and if. If it goes towards A&M stuff, we'll, then it, that'll take care of itself. If it doesn't, then we'll just kind of get to that afterwards. So, typical Friday routine. Let me try to find it where it started. All right, here we go. Off and rolling. How many arrests or fake IDs in the Vought Saturday do you think we'll have? Uh, that's an interesting way to word that. I don't know. It'll be the first time anyone's ever drank inside the stadium, so I, I that imagine it's pretty high. Have you ever drank inside the stadium? No, it's not allowed. No, yeah, thank you. People have always talked about bringing alcohol in there, and I've never seen it. Yeah, so I actually don't know in a serious note. I have no idea how that's going to police be policed. I imagine starting off they're going to be pretty strict because you don't need, you know, a bunch of 18-year-olds going and getting drunk off Spike Seltzer and then stumbling back towards the square. I guess that seems like that's probably a recipe for disaster. So I would imagine they'd be kind of strict on it. Again, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's like some of the bars on the square where if you hand them a hotel room key, they're like, yeah, you're good, man. Um, so I don't really know how that's going to be policed. I imagine, though, as far as like unruly behavior, they're going to be very strict on that uh, because I imagine they're going to set a tone fairly clearly that, you know, I uh, I guess raucous behavior due to alcohol sold in the stadium is not going to be tolerated. From when I, the early days when I was in college, it was like 
it was kind of that way anyway. Like, obviously, people kind of turned the other way if people were sneaking stuff into the stadium. But, like, there was pretty much zero to no tolerance for just kind of nonsense once you got in the stands. Yeah, I mean, if, look, if you haven't been able to handle your alcohol, you, you, you don't get to stay in one anyway. They're, they're pretty strict about that, uh, speaking from experience. So, you, you uh, they're, they're going to police it really well, especially with they'll, they'll probably over-police this first game, and I probably don't blame them much. Uh, there's there's a lot of detractors that, that don't really you know want them selling alcohol in the stadium, but uh, I don't feel like it's going to be very lax from that perspective. I don't think you're going to see 18 year olds walking around with beers either. I think uh, I think they're going to be pretty pretty uh, strict on that. So we'll see. I I think it, I'm going to be kind of interested to see how it goes. Just uh, you know, uh, I mean, it's the first time that you've ever had legally had alcohol in there. I'm, I'm interested to see how they do kind of police it. Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be fine. Every other place that – I say every other place. The studies that have come out from the places that have done this have really shown that it's reduced alcohol incidents. And this is really not rocket science here. You're allowing people to drink beer and, you know, this Spike Seltzer shit is all the rage now. But instead of, you know, guzzling liquor from a water bottle that you, like, crammed in your pants, like it, it – like. When you're your own mixologist with a crushed-up water bottle in a stadium cup, odds are you're probably not pouring a decent, a, a, uh, a, I guess a, a light drink by any stretch of the imagination. So obviously, this stuff with beer and alcohol, and I think what I, what is what kind of wine is being sold? I have no clue. Uh, they they tweeted out the list a few weeks ago, and I, I can't remember it. Um, but yeah, so that kind of stuff is really. Like, I think that'll help a lot as opposed to, you know, some kid guzzling a fifth of, you know, Evan Williams' green label that he stuffed in his crotch in a water bottle. So, hopefully it'll help. Hopefully everyone acts responsibly. I don't know. I'm kind of interested to see what it looks like from the standpoint of, like, where I sit, you can still see the student section fairly clearly. Like, you can see individual people and all that, like, pretty closely. So, like, it's going to be, I guess, weird seeing kids with, like, beers and, like, seltzers and stuff in their hands. I mean, I'm all for it. It's another revenue stream. I think if people can act responsibly, it's all good. But it is going to be weird just seeing people openly walk around with it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm with you there. Well, I mean, I mean, you can't even walk around with, like, Bud Light, you know, in the outfield without it, you know, being in a, you know, a non-clear cup. Um, so it will be kind of a kind of a weird setting. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's... It, the 21st century we've just kind of moved to that at this point um but i'm kind of interested to see how it goes i think there's a good possibility they sell out tomorrow uh somewhere around the middle of the third quarter maybe so i'm giving them the benefit of the doubt surely they're prepared for this but maybe maybe they do i don't know maybe it's like that preseason game they had at jackson memorial that year where by like the end of the first quarter they had nothing but water and popcorn and like one working bathroom that was that sweet. was yeah that was special. That was, was a that disaster. Yeah. yeah, so was I. I was like ten or eleven years old, I think. I don't remember what year that was. Anyway, it was hotter than hell. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it'll be different from a Grove standpoint because, like, obviously, technically, alcohol is illegal in the Grove and all of that. But like, I went to Missouri last week and I had a credential snafu to where they had to leave me another set at will call. So I had to drive on Missouri's campus on game day go find a place to park and I had to drive amongst like the tailgaters go to Will Call in their basketball arena 
anyway, nobody really cares about this, but my point being is I had to like walk amongst the masses of tailgaters and drive through them to go get my credential to then park and get in the stadium. And I say that because they have like an open container deal there. So people are just walking around with beer cans and beer bottles and all kinds of stuff there. So where it's more like of a big city type feel, even though Columbia's not a big city at all. But it has more of that type of feel. Obviously, you're not going to get that because it's not legal anywhere outside the stadium. But it'll be probably more like that inside the stadium. I don't know. I'm interested to see what it looks like. Um, how many beers will be shotgunned by the biggest, baddest doucher? Okay. Uh, uh, I, I, that's probably the kind of behavior I'm talking about. Like, I imagine if the UPD guy monitoring the student section sees uh, Chad, I don't know, Getting his keys out to poke a hole in a spike seltzer and shotgun it, he's probably getting well, tossed. They're not going to be in cans, though, right? So you can't really shotgun it. Why are they not going to be in cans? How do you oh, put- man. No, no, no. They, they pour these things in plastic cups. They're going to pour the spike seltzer in a plastic cup? I would presume, yeah. Uh, I don't think they're going to just hand out cans. Maybe so. I, hell, I don't know. I mean, I guess I, I would imagine most of the beer is probably on draft. Yeah, I guess it is on draft. I don't know, but like. Probably not going to have much tolerance for cup snakes and stuff like that. So, I don't know. I think I think I think who I do feel sorry for in this is the people that have to clean up the stadium because it's going to be a lot more work after the game when when they start selling alcohol. Yeah, and then they'll probably develop some kind of contingency plan to make that easier. Maybe they won't because it's all missing. They don't really plan anything out. So I guess we'll <laughs> see on that. Uh, we got another alcohol question. How many Miller Lights are going to be sold on Saturday? I don't know. I'd kind of like to get the numbers. That would be interesting to see. I wonder if they keep up with it. I, I would imagine they keep up with it to some degree just from a sheer like you know inventory type deal standpoint. So uh, I don't know. I would like to get a number on that. Maybe I can. I mean, I know some people that work like with like the distribution type stuff, so maybe I can ask. I, uh, I'll definitely look into that because I'll just be kind of interested for my own curiosity but yeah i think they've got what they've got coors light miller light bud heavy they've got some kind of spike seltzer and then craft beers i the second part of this question is why don't they have the claws i don't know i'm not a seltzer connoisseur i like the truly things better than white claw because white claw still feels like it's like a bud light lime or some nasty thing so yeah i'm, I'm more offended they don't have bud light i hate bud light i i i mean i'm and i'm not like how the hell do you drink that? I get people have different beer tastes. I can't stand Bud Light. That's the one, like, I guess, like, generic light beer that I can't drink. I don't really know why. I just really don't enjoy the taste of it at all. So I'm okay with them not having Bud Light. This doesn't really affect me at all because it's not like I'm going to be uh, having a cold one while working, unfortunately. But, I wonder if you could. I mean, I was talking to Neil about that the day after it got announced or whatever football game we were at after it got announced. And he was like, I mean, who was who would be the one to stop us? And I was like, I don't really think anyone would stop us. But, and like, I mean, hell, I don't know. I mean, I guess you could do it, but I, uh, I, <laughs> I'm just, I'm not going to incriminate myself. So, I, one, I won't be doing that. And two, I'm not going to speak from any. I don't think this is going to go as smoothly as people think in, in the sense that I think if you're going to want your beer, you're going to have to wait a long, a long time on Saturday. Yeah, I guess it just depends on what their system is. Because, like, people say that, but if you have, like, two or three people constantly filling up, like, if you, I mean, go to any professional baseball game or professional football stadium, they have that thing down pat. And I'm not saying that Ole Miss will have that down pat after the first, like, trial run or whatever. 
But, I mean, if you've got enough places selling it and you've got enough people constantly pouring it and handing it to people, you can get people in and out. But then at the same time, if they're taking orders one by one and then filling it up just based on that, I don't know. There's a lot of ways you could go with it. I'll probably get there a little earlier just to kind of see what's what with that because just really for my own curiosity. So, anyway, that's about all we've got on the alcohol thing, I think. If you had to suit up Saturday and play every snap on offense or defense, what position is it? Uh, neither. I'd be Mac Brown. You think you'd kick around a little bit? Well, I've de- dedicated this very, fairly boring season to basically hardening Mac Brown's image because um, he had a couple personal fouls early on in the season. He made a tackle. He had an illegal block blow, the waste penalty on a punt he was covering. He's had a tripping penalty. I'm trying to get him some street cred, so I'm pointing out anytime he does something really like delinquent-ish. So uh, I think if I replaced him and maybe got a couple more personal fouls wearing his number and his uniform, I could really up that. How many plays on offense and or defense would you make before you actually got hurt? I'm putting myself to like four. I would put like two. Two? Yeah, I'm not lasting out there. I don't know why. I, uh, as far as offense or defense, I, hell, I don't know. I, I would. It would be offense, and I'd want to play like tight end or something. Why? I wouldn't yeah, want to block way, anyone. Well, I'm more than likely not going to get kicked. They don't throw the ball to the tight end. Um, and if they do, I just won't catch it. And then I'm only going to have to block, you know, I mean, I'm going to have to block linebackers. I'm going to get killed within four or five plays, but I think that would be my plan for longevity. I guess so, but I mean, you're having to run block and stuff. I don't want to hit or touch anybody. Like I, that, that's really just not in. I don't know. Maybe safety. Ole Miss's safeties and cornerbacks don't really hit or touch anyone. I don't so. know. Ole Miss's safeties have to tackle a lot because they get there a lot. Yeah, I guess so. But anyway, did you hear about the McLovin ID story in Iowa City? Uh, no, I did not. But I could probably guess how this goes. The cops got handed a McLovin ID. Like that's probably happened. 500 yeah, to 1,000 times since that movie's come out? <laughs> I don't think you're fooling uh, cops at this point with that one. No. Uh, but if there's more to that story, I'd love to hear more about it. If it was your last night in Oxford, what restaurant would you eat at and what bar would you go to? Uh, I don't know. I like McEwen's and I like Oxford Grill House. Yeah, Oxford Grill House would be my answer more than likely. I'd probably go sit at like the graduate or something? I, I don't know. Oh, yeah. I would sit on the top of the graduate flowers and probably cry. Yeah, I mean, it would be... F- yeah, I, that sounds like a decent evening. Your opinion of the modern-day labor union of what rightful, worthy cause or a scam that affects millions of people that don't directly... Wait, what was that? Yeah, I don't know, man. This is the wrong podcast for that. Your modern-day... Your opinion of the modern-day labor union... A rightful, worthy cause or a scam that affects millions of people that they don't directly represent. Do these people think we got degrees and things that matter? Uh, I don't know, but the, somebody replied to it and said, The OSHA regulates safety, labor laws, ensure fair treatment of employees. Unions pave the way for that, but they are irrelevant now. My pay is based on the value I add to my company, as it should be. UAW, UAW, strike. I think y'all have the wrong address. I don't know what this is. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I'm, I, I don't know. Uh, the man that replied to this talking about his value to the company, his Twitter handle is HockeyFamily737. Man, I'm going to let him have it. 
And the gentleman that asked the original question's name is Creole Williams. Okay, I, yeah. I don't know. I don't really know what to do with this. I, I don't. Uh, I, I don't think Super Talk has a union that I'm aware of. I, I'm just gonna go. So you're not into Super Talk union. I, I I don't know. I'm just gonna go to the next question. I that that's that made my head spin this morning. Um, what is your favorite article written by a member of the Ole Miss beat other than yourself? Since you can't pick one of your own, I'll brag on your Parker Currency oh, story for a second. Appreciate it, man. I appreciate the kind words on the latter half of that. Uh, the first half, I don't know. <laughs> I'm sitting here trying to think. Um, I mean, people have done some really good stuff. Oh, I, I, I know exactly which one is, and it, it was a long time ago. Uh, it was Stephen Godfrey's, and he's not really on the Ole Miss beat, but he wrote a story uh, the day Ole Miss beat Alabama for the first time that was extremely, extremely good. I'm having trouble thinking of what... I don't want to get myself in trouble here, but sometimes comparatively to other beats, and it's probably due to the access we get, there's not a lot lot of people really do a ton of enterprise stuff here. Um, Chase has done some good work with the uh, Henry... How do you say the kid's last name? Ulrich. Ulrich story. That's obviously a very powerful and very good story. It was really well done on that. He did another one on the history of Swayze Field that I thought was really good. Ben did a really good job on the uh, the oral history of how they hired Kermit Davis. I thought that was really good. Yeah, that was a big week for oral histories. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's probably my answer. I do, honestly, they they just don't come a lot. They don't come, I mean, not a lot come to the top of my head, and I don't mean that as like a slight. We just... I've had this conversation with people before. We don't get a lot of access, so you kind of have to work extraordinarily and sometimes needlessly hard to find stuff like that. And so we don't get a lot of that like as much as you get on other beats. So there really isn't a ton to choose from, or if there, I'm sure there have been plenty over the years. I just that not that many come off the top of my head. So I'll go with those two. I wish people did more of that, and I should probably do more of that. I've gotten way. I don't want to say lazier, but I've got I've gotten away from that. So I don't know. That's probably my answer. How do you think Plum Dog Millionaire's passing game is that really a thing? Is that a name? <laughs> Will progress while he's playing baseball during the spring? I don't know, man. I tend to think he is what he is as a passer, not in the sense that. Let me preface that. I think he could get better as a passer. Obviously, he's an eighteen-year-old freshman, but I don't think he's going to have a huge hindrance because he's playing baseball like if he weren't a baseball player would in theory he have more time to work on his passing game and work on his mechanics and become a better thrower sure but at the same time I don't think that's going to have a huge effect like I think yeah I don't think there's a I don't think baseball is going to hinder his passing ability um you know maybe does it does it affect the strength and conditioning type stuff maybe um but I'm kind of with you. I think he is what he is from a passing perspective, and look, like I think I think he can get better, like you said. But I don't I don't ever think he's going to become your you know your guy that's flinging around 45 times a game either. I think this I think there's a ceiling, and he's approaching the ceiling. So I think he can get better. I think that uh, maybe you know that, that by the time he's a junior, he becomes an adequate passer. But I don't think baseball is going to hinder that at all. Well, and another element that nobody seems to be talking about in this whole quarterback thing is, one, 
let's just say they split the reps the rest of the way and then they go into the offseason wanting to have some sort of quarterback competition, him not being at spring practice is, one, going to drastically affect that, and two, could probably direct, direct affect his development as a quarterback just in general, probably not necessarily just as a thrower, but learning the system, having that down better, kind of developing a rapport with the receivers. I've talked to Sinquest Golson about this before. Man, when you miss all spring, that's a big deal. Oh, I expect him to practice football a good bit during the spring. I, I don't think both. so. I don't think that'll be. I don't think that that'll be a reasonable possibility. I don't know. Kyler Murray did it. I, I, yeah, I but that, there really, athlete. there really isn't a history. Like, I because I had to do a story on this back in August. There really is no precedent for anyone it being anyone here being able to do it. Like when you're football, you're all football, and there's no baseball. And when you're baseball, there's all baseball. They don't really let you go back and forth. But it was. I think Quentin's pretty much the only one that's done it, though, right? Anthony Offer didn't go back and forth. They both well, got Anthony Offer did, didn't play baseball here. Yeah, I guess that's true. But what I, all I'm saying is, is they're I, I I am fairly certain they're not going to let them go back and forth. I wonder what Seth Smith did. I'm just talking out loud. Um, I don't know. We'll see. I, I I know Murray when he was back in Oklahoma, they worked it out so he could do both. But I don't know. It that'd be hard on a true freshman. Murray was also a junior. Uh, when he did that, so it's uh, if he's going to play both, and, and I, from all indications, he is committed to playing both, and he's going to play both. It is going to be interesting to see how they handle that from a quarterback perspective going forward. Yeah, I I don't maybe I end up being wrong, but like based on people I talked to for that story and just talking around, I I think when it's baseball, it's all baseball. When it's football, it's all football. I don't think. Mike Bianco, particularly if he contributes at all, is going to let the kid go through a spring practice and tweak an ankle before they play Florida or something. Well, yeah, I, I agree. But what if he's the fifth or sixth outfielder? I mean, Sinquest Golson didn't really play very much, and they didn't really let him do it. Yeah, I guess that's true. I don't know. I guess we'll see. But, but that's another interesting part of this is if you go into the offseason with a quarterback battle and one of the quarterbacks isn't going through spring ball, like, like, to quote Major League, cross him off the list. Like, I, I think you're really behind the eight ball there. Yeah, yeah. Of course, you know, I, I wonder, too, if Rich Rod's still an offensive coordinator, how much does that hurt him compared to, you know, especially if you bring in a new offensive coordinator and, you, and then you offense. Yeah, that's part of what hurts in Quez, too, is, like, he had that, and then they changed from nut to freeze, and... I don't really want to go into exactly what happened because I, anyway, on off the record stuff here, I'm trying to be careful. Sinquez was at a crossroads and needed to pick and football was paying the bills, I guess is what I would say. I mean, that's his words. So yeah. anyway, uh, yeah, so that, that, I don't know. It'll be an interesting off season, but that's certainly an element to look out for. Can Ole Miss offer enough to get er- to? Get Urban Meyer to get him back into coaching? Uh, no, no. I mean, he's going to take the USC job. That's why he's out there. I, I don't think. I don't. I think Ole Miss could offer him fifteen million a year. And Urban, like, this is the thing about coaches like that. They don't need the money that bad. Like, they're not going to go somewhere because somebody offers them the most money. They're going to go somewhere because they win a national title there. Yeah, I would agree with that, and. Like, Urban Meyer doesn't need the money at this point. He probably wants to coach college football in California because, truthfully, that sounds pretty sweet. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think that's – I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm, that is not possible. I think the question was somewhat 
tongue-in-cheek, but there's no way. He's going to either coach at USC or not coach, in my opinion. Maybe he goes somewhere else if he really has that coaching bug, but like he's out in California doing the Fox thing. He's good on TV. Whenever that USC job opens up, he's probably going to make himself very available. Yeah, there, or, or Notre Dame's also a possibility. I guess, but does he really want to go back to South Bend, Indiana? <laughs> I mean, I, I just, you know, the thing about you know him growing up a fan and all that stuff, I wonder if that, because, you know, he almost took that job when he took the Florida job. Yeah, because everything about him is very genuine, so I imagine his boyhood fandom is very genuine, too. I'm just saying, that's always the rumor that's been around, is, is that he would, he would take the Notre Dame job. Thoughts on Jordan Tamu at the St. Louis Battlehawks, Trey Trey Elston to the Roughnecks and the Rebels in the XFL as a whole. Uh, good for Jordan Tamu. I think we hit on this a little bit on Wednesday. I think the quarterback in that the quarterback play in that league is going to be pretty good. You've got Brandon Silvers, the kid that was at Troy. You have I think Landry Jones, if I'm not mistaken. You got Cardell Jones is in it. Connor, Cardell Jones, Connor Cook was taken late uh, by the Houston team. I think I'm interested by the XFL because I just it, it it seems harder and harder to believe there's going to be a secondary football league that sticks. But at the same time, they seem to have their ducks in a row a lot more than the Alliance of American. Football I hope it's did. not like it was the last time where it's basically fake wrestling. I know. I think it, I think that's their whole thing is like they're going to have fun with it, but it's going to be a much more serious football league. I think Vince McMahon, while. Yes, think of what you want with Vince McMahon. I don't think he's going to make the exact same type of mistake twice. Like You don't become a billionaire by doing that. So I think it'll be much better. I think it'll be much more serious. The way they're, I was reading something about it the other day, and the way they're handling the draft process and how teams fill out rosters, everything seems to be a lot more organized. Like You're not going to have two assholes running at each other at midfield to see who gets the ball first by grabbing the football at midfield and that type of stuff. <laughs> That would probably be a good idea. Yeah, so I, I think there'll be less of that and more of like a serious football league. The uh, It was interesting. I was watching Speak for Yourself yesterday on Fox before we went on air, and they had a they had a one of the coaches, he may be the head coach of the Los Angeles team, on the set, and I don't remember his name, I, which is bad because I literally watched it like 12 hours ago. But they're asking him about the overtime rules, and he said, I think you'll really enjoy it. It's going to be like penalty kicks in soccer. And they're like, what are you talking about? And the way he described it is you're going to have one offense and one team's defense on one end and the other team's defense and the other team's offense on the other end, and you're going to play out plays, and whoever gets the most points in like a set of like five plays, six plays, or whatever, that's going to be the overtime. That sounds wild. Cool. Yeah, that sounds badass. I would be. I would love to see that. So, I don't or know. if you can kick field goals, because I haven't just kicked field goals the whole time. Yeah, that would. That, I don't know. I'd like to see the rapid fire much better, um, offensive plays. But anyway, I I don't know. I think there'll be some interesting tweaks. I mean, how you had a f- pro football league last like a month and a half and still did officiating better than the NFL did do, currently does. <laughs> so hopefully there'll be some things that you long term you can pick. How the hell the NFL didn't do the sky judge from the AAF because the AAF failed because they had a greedy guy running it that basically was using the leak to steal some sort of technology like Dundon. You remember the the Carolina Hurricane yeah, game guy hurricane manager or whatever. Who bought in late. The 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 AFL because they did not have their financial ducks in a row and then in a desperation desperate situation had to trust somebody that in reality they shouldn't have been trusting. But structurally there were actually a, quite a few things the NFL could do well to take from that 
to make their game better, and the Sky Judge is definitely one of them. I think it's absolutely absurd that the NFL doesn't have a Sky Judge. Yeah. Uh, just randomly, and this isn't pertaining to a question or anything, I was reading something the other day about, you know, they, they've changed the rules on onside kicks in the NFL. It's, just, it's probably time to do away with onside kicks, though, right? No, I don't think that's the case. I don't think that's the case at all. I would argue the complete opposite. I think what, what they've like, done. I think what they've done. To, nobody recovering an onside kick. No, 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 no. Okay, we're on the same page there. I think what they've done to onside kicks is a travesty, and I think that used to make the game a lot more fun. And I get that why you're trying to eliminate kickoffs because they're incredibly dangerous because you have people just running straight online. But like onside kicks, how? How dangerous can it really be if guys are running 15 yards to go try to recover a football? And, yes, you're running down there to try to hit someone to knock the ball loose, but 15 yards versus, like, 40, like, onside kicks were fun and made games in doubt and in question longer, and now it's almost impossible to recover them. I think they should tweak the onside kick thing to make it more recoverable. I don't know what you have to do, but I think taking the onside kick out of football is is bad for long term. I don't like that at all. Well, I think I think there has to be, like, Run and people suggested this for a long time. Run a fourth and twenty play, where if you get it, you get the ball, and if you don't, you don't. Um, yeah, I'm I cool think, with that. I think there's got to be a much more sensible solution to being able to get the ball back. Yeah, because what they've done to onside kicks sucks. You can, you literally yeah, I mean, can't you recover have to them. Bounce it twice, and there's no way to recover that. In the in the NFL, I think there's been one or two recovered since they changed the rules. I think. Yeah, I don't that's know because people drop it. Yeah, I mean, it, but it sucks. Like, it used to be way easier to try to recover. Onside kicks were a lot of fun. I hope they bring that back. I hope they don't eliminate onside kicks. But I guess I see what you're saying in the sense they eliminate it and make it a fourth down thing. I'm just saying I hope they don't eliminate all procedures to where teams can get the ball back when they're down. Oh, no, no, no. I would replace it with something where you can get the football back. Yeah, that's fine. Just I don't, don't, I, yeah, I don't take, I guess, that mechanism out of the game. Oh, uh, let's see, let's see. What are the odds... We see John Rice Plumley in a position other than quarterback before the end of the season. Before the end of the year? Yeah, I don't think very no. likely. They like look like part of him coming here is because he wanted to play quarterback. Like I was the bozo that had to ask the question at SEC Media Days, hey, do you see John Rice Plumley playing anywhere other than quarterback? And Matt Luke kind of looked at me, it's like, No, he's gonna play quarterback. Like I think that was a big part of him coming here, you know, maybe depending on how the quarterback thing shakes out down the road, is this a possibility? I don't know. I would say anything's open at this point, but I, I, I just, unless it's a special situation where they're running some kind of trick gadget play, I just don't really see that on a consistent basis because, again, there's a reason schools were recruiting him as a safety and a slot receiver, and there's a reason he chose here, and that's because they were going to allow him to play quarterback. I, I mean, if you ask me, does he play another position in his career? Yeah, I'll listen to that. This year, I don't think there's any shot in hell of that. Yeah, I don't think so either. Which, like, it, it's hard to go learn how to play receiver in four games, you know? Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. But also, just at the same time, like, at a certain point, you need to use his athleticism on the field. I don't really know how you break that to the kid, though, and be like, look, man, like, we got a quarterback. Game. Although, it's weird. Every single, I don't really know how you describe it, outside pundit, I guess I'd say, per se, keeps talking, like everyone we have on the radio show keeps wondering why they're not using Plumlee as the every-down quarterback, which is just mystifying to me. <laughs> yeah, probably because the kid has trouble striking the ball down the field. Yeah, I just like, I what know. do you want? Uh, I've got a lot of people that disagree with me on how they should handle the quarterback competition. That's fine. It's America. Um, 
but you're you're right. Everybody that watches Ole Miss from an outside perspective wonders why he's not the quarterback every snap. Yeah, I. I... I just I, I don't understand how you can watch what he does on a consistent basis, throwing the football at this point in his career, and be like, "Yeah, that's the guy we need every down." I'm like, I just I, I don't I don't get that. I think Ole Miss would do well to play him in a in a package situation. I think they need to use his feet. I think he needs to be on the field a lot. Like I I feel like people just get very like dismissive of oh the package thing because they think it's like a Barry Brunetti or whatever example you want to use, but you can use him a lot, but like making him the every down quarterback with the way he throws the ball is 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 unwise to me, and I feel like the offense struggled so bad in the first three, four games because, you know, it's a bunch of 18, 19-year-olds running a brand-new system that Corral got a lot of unfair blowback as to why, like, he's, like, I keep getting, like, he's not a good fit. Like, what are you talking about? He can run and throw. Like, I don't understand that. No, I'm with you. Um, I just I don't see how you can watch that last drive before halftime at Missouri and look at the throws that Matt Corral made in between the hashes, which is where they don't want young quarterbacks throwing the football if they don't trust him, and say, yeah, they need John Rice Plumley out there every single play. There were two throws on that drive, that, and with respect to Plumley, I think he's a dynamic athlete. Again, this is not a knock on him. There were two or three throws that Corral made on that drive that Plumley could not have made if he had 25 tries. <laughs> No, you're right. You're right. Um, he's got a big time arm. So uh, we'll see. I, I am fascinated by how they handle this this weekend. Though. Yeah, in a game they really got to win. So anyway, I do not. Anyway, that we got off on a tangent there. I don't see that. Uh, let's see. If there were a bourbon shot stands next to the beer stand and bought Hemingway on Saturday. Which one would have a longer line, and would it change based off the score of the game? <laughs> Might change based off the score of the game. I, uh, I'm not going to stay. If I were a fan sitting at a football game, I'm probably not standing in line to take a bourbon shot. That's not really how I prefer to consume alcohol. <laughs> but I, I don't know the answer to that. I guess that's subjective. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's a good question, though. Let's see. How many of these recruits of Matt Luke did other big-time schools really want? Uh, I mean... Doing that. Um, I, I don't know how many... I think that's... so. The I don't mean this in a negative way. The spirit all week has inadvertently, on purpose, been harping on... I mean, I did Ben's podcast on Monday talking about what an atrocity the 2017 class was. It's bad. But that's Hugh Freeze. Yeah, it is. That's not Matt Luke. Well, okay, it, yes, it, it, it was Hugh Freeze that recruited that class. Does Matt Luke not share a little bit of the blame in the fact that none of them can be developed? I mean, may, no, no. I, 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 well, I mean, maybe a little, but man, that, that class you knew was a disaster when it was put together. It has just proved to be that. So, I don't see how you can. Well, I mean, Cam White and C.J. Miller had big-time offers, and, and neither one of them are panning out. Yeah, I mean, but still, that's not... I've talked to a couple of people about C.J. Miller. I don't see how that's necessarily on Luke. 
for a number of different reasons. And then at the same time, I mean, Mohamed Sanogo has turned into a good player. Braylon Sanders has turned into a good player. It's not like they whiffed on everyone, but, man, that class was just bad. I mean, it is what it is. Oh, it's horrible. That's what's really killing this football team right now. And mostly, I mean, I went and looked at it last night. They have four guys that are significant contributors, uh, and those four are Ben Brown, Ryder Anderson, uh, crap. Sanogo and Sanders and Mohamed Sanogo. So you've got three of them that are probably not going to play on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, oh, and that, but that's yeah, and that's but that's a little different with injury related. But yeah, I mean, but that's what I'm saying. You're going to have one junior on the field on Saturday besides JUCO guys. Yeah, this is wait. Does Josiah Josiah Cotney count? He's not. He wasn't in that class. He redshirted his first year because of an injury. But co- hold on, are you sure? Yeah, I, I pulled up the rivals classes. I don't recall him in the twenty seventeen class. Here, I'll pull it up and read it off for you. It is, yeah, no, uh, no, it is. It's twenty sixteen. I was just making sure the JUCO guys confused me. Um, yeah. So I'm guessing that's what based this question off of because after that. Because if you want to talk about, like, the, I, I don't really know about other big-time schools and big-time offers. But I'm talking to guys that actually work in recruiting. Like, for those of you at home that don't necessarily understand, these ranking systems, like, they are generally an okay gauge of what a player is and how good he is. But they're swayed too heavily based on the offers the, sc- the kid has instead of his skill set. So, like, if a kid gets an offer from Ohio State, that's going to swing his rating and his star ranking and all that other crap way more so than his actual skill set does, which is kind of a flaw in the system. I've talked to Siski about this before. It's kind of a flaw in how people do things. And if you want an example to the contrary, and I'm not I'm not being stars don't matter guy. That guy's kind of an asshole. Like, obviously, the more four or five star kids you get, the better success you're going to have a program. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying, like, basing it on offers from other schools and stuff, I think is a foolish way to go about the recruiting and evaluating process. Because I can promise you the people that are evaluating Ole Miss's prospects are not necessarily doing that at all. And so, but if you want to talk about hit, miss, or whatever, this current class, they've hit on literally everyone. Jerry yep. Ely, John Rice Plumley, the three kids in the secondary. I mean, well, how far do you want to keep going? Jonathan Mingo, Dontario Drummond. Um, Nick Broker was a three-star kid that, yeah, had an offer from Ohio State, but wasn't really highly touted. I mean, they've hit on just about everybody. All these kids are playing. Yes, no, they're, they're doing a very good job in recruiting. Um, that's why, but but look, if you... That has to result in W's on the football. Okay, that, that's fine, and I'm not disagreeing with that. But if they are hitting on everybody in the 2019 class, and you've got some guys in the 2018 class, a la Matt Corral... Um, who else am I thinking of from the 2018 class? Uh, Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore, Jaquez Jones. Uh, I mean, I could, I could probably keep going. I just don't have it off the top of my head. A couple guys on the defensive line. If they're hitting on a bunch of dudes in the 2018 and 2019 class, doesn't that really probably tell you the 2017 class is mostly a Hugh Freeze thing? Yeah, that, that that's probably fair. Uh, that, that's probably a fair gauge to look at it. I'm pulling up the, the 18 class. Tariqis Tisdale was in that class. Um, he's become a player. Uh, Scotty Phillips was in that class. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they did a pretty good job the past two recruiting classes. So, 
I mean, I think that, that's probably fair credence to, to, to 2017 being mostly a microcosm of, of some threes and his inability to recruit once the NCAA thing hit. Yeah, that was... Uh, yeah, that 2017 class was an absolute atrocity, and they're still paying the price for it. What is the likelihood of beer showers becoming a thing at football games now as well? I think they're higher than you think. Hell, I don't know. I mean, if they if Ole Miss does something good and the people get excited about it, it's probably not going to be the first time alcohol has been slung through the air inside Boston Stadium. I've had the student section for four years. Uh, alcohol got tossed up in there quite a bit during that time. Yeah, so like I, I don't know. Uh, let's see. What's the next one? Thoughts on the Ole Miss players who have recently entered the transfer portal? That's C.J. Miller and Cam White. We just kind of hit on that with the 2017 class. Look, man, if you're not getting, if you're an upperclassman or you're a, a guy that's been here before and you're getting left off of playing time and getting left off the field in favor of these three true freshmen who I think are going to be pretty good football players and Jay Stanley, A.J. Finley, and DeAndre Prince, that's probably an indictment on the kid. Like, I, I don't, I, like, I don't think that's in a sign or anything indicative of like Ole Miss, like, an, like a systemic issue within the program or anything like that. I just don't think those kids can get on the field. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's probably just time for them to, to find somewhere else to go if, if they can't get on the field right now behind these freshmen or behind these, or, you know, in, in front of these freshmen. Yeah, so I, I don't really put an. I don't really put much stock in that, and that being an indictment on anything really related to the coaching staff or anything like that. I just, I mean, I don't think it's a coincidence that these kids are in the secondary, and I don't think it's necessarily a coincidence that they can't get on the field. Like, I, I mean, put two and two together there, I guess is what I'm saying. So, yeah, I'm with you. Oh, let's see. How's Bryce Harper feeling now? I think we got this question last week from the same guy. It's a buddy of mine. Uh, probably pretty vindicated. Didn't he say in spring training he wanted to bring a title back to D.C.? He did. He did say that. So, I don't know. He's made $300 million. I think he's probably feeling okay. Look, I mean, they didn't want to pay Bryce Harper because they had a couple young outfielders. He didn't really have much interest in coming back, and he got $300 million elsewhere, and they used that money to go get pitching that is now carrying them to the World Series. I think it's a win-win-win. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, it's not Bryce won. Harper's fault the pitching fell apart in Philadelphia. I, look, I have a weird opinion on Bryce Harper. I like Bryce Harper because baseball needs Bryce Harper to be good. I don't enjoy him failing like a lot of people do, so I, I kind of root for him. Um, but I don't think, yeah, I, I don't think him leaving the match is why they decided to win the world, or go to the World Series. Now, I think if they're, I think if he's still on the team, they go to the World Series. Yeah, I don't think it really has much to do with that at all. I, I would agree. So, attendance Saturday night in the Vault. Fifty-two. Uh, yeah, I was going to go in between 50 and 55. I think it would be a good crowd. Nice weather. You can booze inside the stadium. It's a really important game for the program in the sense that, like, you're not going to a bowl if they don't win that. So I'll go pretty good crowd. I'll, I'll go in the 50 range. Obviously, I don't think it's going to be full. Does Ole Miss find a way to get six wins this season? Now, I don't know. Talk to me after Saturday. I'm going to say no for now. 
I say they got five right now. Um, if they win Saturday, they got six. I don't know, man. I mean, the Egg Bowl is a coin flip at best, and they're probably beating New Mexico State. So, man, look, I think I, I think I know what I saw in Knoxville on Saturday. I think that team doesn't quit. That's fine, but it's not like Ole Miss is a bunch of world beaters on the road. They're not, but they're not. They don't quit either. That that team in Knoxville on Saturday did not want to be there. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, it's Moorhead's second year. You've got the Rutgers stuff swirling. Yeah, I wonder if that becomes a distraction. I'd like to get to that in a second because I have thoughts on nuance and possibly using your brain when reading reports. So we'll get to that in a second. Remind me. Will John Rice Plumlee be Bianco's go-to pinch runner? (laughs) Um, I think Jerry and Ely would be his go-to pinch runner. Yeah, possibly. I don't know what Plumlee's baseball quickness is because I think there's a huge difference in the way you run in football and the way you run in baseball. So I don't know. Mike does love him, a freshman pinch runner, though. Um, Mike, I think, Mike loved Gindel. Mike loved Justin Bench. Hey, hey, uh, Paul Gindel is no longer a part of the Ole Miss baseball program. Yeah, I, I said loved. Oh, okay. I, th- I, I thought you said loved. No, no, no. Mike loved Gindel. He loved Justin Bench last year. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Josh Hall is going to be the, the pinch runner. I mean, <laughs> that dude is just going to go swipe back. So he's probably going to remain the number one pinch runner on this team. Yeah, so I don't know. It'll be interesting to how they see how they kind of fit into baseball. How are y'all's fantasy teams looking? Well, both of my I don't teams, have one. Thank God. Both of my teams are 3-3, three and three and Mahomes is my quarterback, and he dislocated something last night that did not look very good. Dead. So probably not very good because – I, dra- I went up to dr- draft him. I drafted him in the third round, which is obviously is very early for a quarterback. But I think I could survive on other quarterbacks for the rest of the year. But the problem is my the rest of my team is not very good. Like, Mahomes has sucked the last three weeks. Like, my fantasy record has exactly mirrored the Chiefs' record, basically. I started 3-0, and and now I'm 3-3. and what a, Who's your backup quarterback? I don't have one on the roster right now. Uh... Just because, I mean, even in like a 12-team league, it's fairly easy to find guys to start on a week-in, week-out basis. Maybe I can make a trade for one. I'm going to have to tinker with that probably later today and see. Let's go pick up Dak. I'm sure, he, I'm sure he's plenty available. Well, like you can get guys all the time. Like you could, you could, pick, you could have picked up Josh Allen for this week, and he's going to tear up the Miami defense and put up 18, 19 points. So it's, it's not that hard to find one. My problem is, is the rest of my team sucks, so I need Mahomes' 25, not 18. So... <laughs> Anyway, uh, let's see. Over under halftime for the stadium to run out of beer. I'll give them three quarters, I guess. Yeah, I give them the middle of the third quarter. What's your favorite? They're num- gonna stop selling in the fourth, anyways. What's your favorite number? What makes you say nice? Uh, so this actually reminds me. Uh, there's a guy, and this is not the guy that tweeted me that, but I appreciate the reminder. There's now a guy who, for a while, he's been slacking lately. I think he listens to his podcast. Basically, at least once or twice a week has been tweeting me something 69-related. Just out of persistence. Like, asking me what my favorite number is. Just making a 69 joke. And then finally, at one of the football games, I, like, tweeted him back. And I said, man, I appreciate the dedication here. And he said, I got you, man. When you see my name pop up, you know what the deal is. So, he takes his job very seriously. I I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so... I appreciate the dedication, I guess, but he basically was like my 69 bodyguard, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> nice. 
Um, so I see. I had a couple more questions. Real quick, um, you, do you read anything in the Ole Miss scoring one run in a uh, twelve inning baseball game on Saturday? Nah, man, it's October. Not like nothing at all. I read nothing into that. Okay, I, I, that would worry me a little bit. In a fall scrimmage. Yeah, one run against Arkansas State worries me a little bit. I'm not considering a lot to you. I mean, yeah, I guess, but I, I don't know. I mean, are they playing the guys they're going to roll out on opening day? They did at the beginning, um, and they didn't score in six innings. Well, I, I would know. argue it's in probably, a, to I'm, a... I'm interested in how they did this week. Doug McKay hit a home run on Saturday, or I guess it was Monday. I'd so. still argue, though, to a large degree, they don't know who they're starting opening day. Yeah, I mean, they don't. Well, there's what, three or four that are going to start um, and I would argue John Hurst is going to start but yeah I mean they probably don't that's fair yeah I don't know I would have a hard time getting up in arms over that in October but I don't know anyway I mean it's probably definitely not good you definitely need to score probably more than a run against Arkansas State but I don't find that to be a huge deal let's see I hope I'm not too late for mailbag which quarterback better hides the flaws of the rest of the offense lots of talk about them individually but it seems like corral needs much more help to be o-line wide receiver to be successful than Plumley at the moment i think that's a fair point i think you're probably yeah, that right. is a very good point i but so but so yes i do think Plumley masks the flaws of the offense better because of his speed because the receivers aren't getting open and when the o-line doesn't block he takes off and he's fast he's going to outrun people and gain productive yardage i don't think that's just debatable. I think he masks the flaws of the offense better, and Corral needs more around him. But at the same time, for a receiving core that's really struggled, I think Corral makes their life a little easier. I, I think he puts the ball closer to where it needs to be on a more regular basis. So I think he helps the receivers there. So it's a give-and-take type of thing. But to your original question, yes, I think, because you kind of answered your own question there, I think you're on to something there. I think you're right. But I just I don't think that means you just have to go with him anyway. I think you've got to be able to throw the ball consistently in the SEC. I mean, what yes, no, I'm with you. Um, but yeah, that's the argument I will hear from Plumlee, uh being starting quarterback, is that Ole Miss has some deficiencies on the offense, um, and he helps match those. Um, he's Rich Rod type quarterback, and that that's where I'll I'll concede. So yeah, that that, that makes sense as to him being the starting quarterback uh, and, and playing the majority of the snaps because he can do things that make your offensive line look better than what they are, make the receivers kind of look better than what they are, and adds to a dynamic running game. Um, but in a perfect world where everything is, like, clicking, I, Matt Krause should be their quarterback, but they're not living in a perfect world right now. Yeah, I mean, look at – I mean, this isn't a perfect example, but, like, look at Mississippi State with Nick Fitzgerald and, and, and stuff like – and guys like that, like there's just you're just there's only so much you can do when you have a quarterback that can't consistently throw it down the field. And every time I say that, people are like, "Why do you dislike Plumlee?" I don't dislike one. I don't dislike or like either one of the guys. I'm just pointing out that you can't have an every down quarterback that can't throw it consistently. And Plumlee, like Plumlee's interesting because he gives everyone like a nice shiny toy every now and again, where he makes a really nice throw to like Scotty Phillips or Elijah Moore on those two touchdowns, but then he misses one by you know five and six feet. And so yeah. I, you, I think you've got to find some kind of balance there. So anyway, I don't know. We've talked the quarterback point in the ground. Let's see. 
What kind of timeline do you see for an AD being put into place? Uh, it's more difficult to tell. Uh, two weeks ago, I would have told you that the process was probably going to be go along a lot quicker. Possibly, I don't want to say it, it. It seems a little bit slower than maybe it was a couple weeks ago, but still, I think fairly quickly. I think it'll happen in the next couple of months. This is about the athletic director. Yeah. I, I could, yeah, I, I think it, I think it's going to get expedited a little bit. I think it's possible there's one in here by the end of football season. Yeah, I think that's plausible. I, I thought that was probably going to definitely be the case from the way it sounded, a, like I said, a couple weeks ago when the Glenn Boy stuff first popped and he first kind of got in and got settled. So I don't know. I, I Difficult to say. What kind of crowd do you uh, – we already answered that. Decent crowd, I think. Um – I believe that is all the mailbag questions we had for the week. Let me make sure in any other avenues I haven't missed any. Oh, I had one from a while ago that someone sent me like last week. All right, here we go. Do you think State and Vandy, this is after last Saturday, after Vanderbilt had gotten trounced by UNLV and after State had done whatever they did in Knoxville, do you think State and Vandy fire their coach at the end of the season, and is anybody else not Matt Luke on the hot seat in the SEC? I think, I think, unfortunately, Derek Mason is probably a dead man walking. I don't think there's really any scenario where State fires Joe Moorhead. I think this Rutgers thing is interesting, which we'll get, I want to get to in just a second. But... I think Vanderbilt right now is probably the only one. I mean, if things had really gone south at South Carolina, no pun intended there, I think maybe Muschamp would have been feeling it a little bit. I think that would have been an unwise decision for South Carolina to do that. But obviously after last week, he's good. I think there's one to miss. Okay, I'm trying to go around the SEC and think. Uh, Kentucky, no. Florida, no. Tennessee, Probably not, particularly that win over State. Yeah, not him. Um, Vanderbilt, we already talked about, I think is yes. That's Missouri, obviously, no. Arkansas, maybe, but I really, I don't see that either. Like, from the sounds I of it, I don't, I mean, from, I don't know. The, we we've, we talked to a couple of Arkansas guys on the radio show, and they, I don't know, they seem to think from being around the program that he's probably getting a third year. Man, how do you sell 0-16 in the league, though? I don't know. I mean, it, it's a very short lease into year three. I'm not saying it couldn't happen. I'm not necessarily disagreeing. I'm just saying that the people around Arkansas, like, it seem to think that he's probably getting a third year. Again, I don't know. We, I mean, like I said, I don't necessarily disagree with that line of thinking. I, I just, I don't know. That'll be interesting to watch play out. Everywhere else, I think, is probably pretty safe. I think I think there's a chance. If, and I don't think this happens, but I think if, if Gus Malzahn blows up, there's still a chance they run him out. Yeah, he needs to beat everyone he's supposed to beat. And if he can come close to picking off Georgia or Alabama, I think 9-3 and three, or not 8-4 and four with that freshman quarterback saves him. I think if he'd gone zero and four with or eight and four, excuse me, with Joey Gatewood, they're probably axing him. That's crazy that that you would fire somebody for eight and four, but I don't disagree. Yeah, I mean, look, Gus is a really interesting case because, like, 
He's had two really, really ridiculous years. He's gone to two SEC championship games. He's played for a national title. But in every other season, which you can't just take out those years, he's like a four- or five-loss coach. Yeah, I'm with you. But like you said, you can't take those out either. No, no, you can't. So, like, it's a fascinating test case, honestly. I mean, he, he played for the SEC title twice. Uh, he played for a national title. Um, I would think he's probably, what, he's probably, what, the third best coach in the league? But they're not going to take mediocrity over there either. I don't know, man. I don't know at this point if I would put Gus, obviously not over, I mean, you're, look, People don't want to give Ed Orgeron credit. Ed Orgeron has built a monster, and he's hired. You got to win, people. though. You got to win something for him. Like I, I get it, Ed Orgeron's done a great job, but Gus Malzahn beat Alabama and went to the SEC title game. No, no, uh, I, I got that. I got that. But like in a world where you're talking about Mullen, Kirby, say, I don't think he's. I, I think I think Malzahn's a better coach than Kirby. I just just from the fact that I mean Kirby gets all his players, and I don't think he has much. To but do that's with a that. big part of it. I mean, Mark Rick didn't do it. Fair, um, but I, I think they're a little bit more invested now than they were with Mark Rick. Maybe so, but I think what Kirby's done in the winning has bred that. I mean, dude, you know what you're doing if you've got this national championship your second year under on the job. I mean, you're saying I just don't that, think that, you that, can that, go beat Alabama two times in seven years and play for a national title uh, and play for the SEC and win the SEC. I, I think you have to be considered a very good coach. I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm just talking about in the standpoint of ranking him over Kirby or Mullen. I think Malzahn's a good coach. Is, I agree. I'm going to get accosted for this. What has Mullen done that's so much better than Malzahn does? I mean, nothing yet, but he's 16-4 and four in his first 20 games. Yeah, yeah, he is. Um, and but, but he won at Mississippi State at a level that no coach in their history has ever won at for that length of period of time. Sure, and, and, and that's, that's a valid point, but... I just kind of think that, that the fact that Gus has won the SEC and has played for the SEC West twice during this Alabama run of dominance kind of just gets overlooked at times. I don't disagree with that either. I think they're all in the same conversation. I just I don't know if he's definitively third best. Anyway, point being, I think Argon, I think Auburn will be done to fire because a point like with the with the Auburn deal, I just don't understand who they're going to hire that beats Alabama at the frequency. Very solid replacement they'll fire in, but I don't think that guy just grows on a tree either. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't know who you're replacing him with. So I'm just I, even trying to think of a candidate that would be worth replacing Malzahn over. Well, and people I whiff. Even come up with that people stuff. whiff on this stuff all the time. Like Florida, if they had it their way, would have Chip Kelly instead of Dan Mullen right now. Like people, like the hot commodity that kind of develops on the coaching market, whether the guy's gone the NFL and failed or he sat in TV and somehow becomes more valuable. The way people value coaches on the open market is such a flawed system. The only direct one is hiring the guy that just built to the that just peaked at a lesser program. Like that's your safest bet. But this Chip Kelly it's stuff and all Scott that. Scott Boston would like to say hello. Yeah, sure. But that uh, again, going back to me, uh, somewhat agreeing with Wilkin. If that guy can't fix Nebraska, then maybe it's not a coaching thing. Yeah, no, that, that's fair. I, I do think they should probably win a little bit more than what they do, though. That's fine, but I, I mean, what he's a year and a half in. Yeah, no, I mean, I just. They picked them to win eight games this year, and they are not going to do that. My you know who I think's in a little bit of trouble? I don't think they're firing him this year, and this isn't even our, in our realm of conversation, really. I think David Shaw and Stanford's in trouble if they don't get this fixed pretty quickly. Maybe so. He's just on his fourth quarterback. 
God, they were so bad against UCLA last night. Well, I mean, I don't that that kid. I don't think they would have planned to like dress that kid for half the games this year if they didn't have to. <laughs> so I don't know, but I the, doing what David go what David Shaw has to deal with in the recruiting thing. I think Stanford would be foolish to fire him. Yeah, but, I mean, okay. My question would be: Are right, you won all these football games? You know four or five years ago, what the hell's changed now? Like, your recruiting's not different now than it used to be. I mean, no, but that's just, I mean, the only people that sustain the exact same level they're winning are a certain group of, like, I'm saying four to five coaches in the country per year. Like, every program has dips and lulls. It's just, it's a hard business. Like, if you're the one, if you're, if your production never dips at all as a head coach, then you're probably Nick Saban or you're probably Lincoln Riley. I mean, even look at Washington. I mean, Chris Peterson's a good coach, and that's happened. It just happens. It's a tough business. And you talk about well, Chris, Chris Peterson is missed on two quarterbacks, and that's really killed him. I yeah. mean, Browning was bad, and now Ethan doesn't look any better. I mean, sure, but he got to a college football playoff with Browning. And you talk about the production dropping at Stanford. The last four years have been twelve, ten, nine, nine. Yeah, but it's going to be four this year. Yeah, but I mean, that's a year, that's an anomaly in a year. I mean, he's averaging. 10 wins a season, and then you have one down year when you get into year eight. Like, I don't think that's fireable. I I'm not saying he's getting fired this year. I'm saying if, if they go four and eight again next year, I think they move on. Probably so. It's just a hard industry. It's hard to maintain winning. That's why most coaches are either fired or about to be fired. It kind of falls somewhere somewhere in the middle or in between. Um, that's all the mailbag questions we had. I guess, uh, I guess it's time to get to the picks. Picks are You'll have to, to pull these up this week. I don't have uh, have them on me. Yeah, I got it. Uh, the picks brought to you by LBs. Go see Greg, University Avenue, across from Kroger. He's got the meats. This is the meat part of our LBs pick them. Uh, go see him. It's grilling season. Weather's getting cooler. You know, pour some whiskey, throw some stuff on the grill. He's got custom cuts. He's got sausages. Steaks. He's always experimenting with some kind of cool spicy sausage. He's got daily specials. They've got plate lunches. They've got it all at LB's. If you're hungry, you need to go by there. If you've got grilling needs, if you're tailgating this weekend and want to throw something nice on the grill, I don't know what. Doesn't the Grove have some kind of weird like open flame laws? Yeah, yeah. You can't grill in the Grove. I don't think you can. It's just it's somehow I, like people do it. I just don't know what the rules are. It doesn't matter. Go see Greg. He can tell you what to put on the grill. The University PD can tell you what you can't do to get it cooked. So, yeah. Anyway, go see Greg across from, or Kroger across from University Avenues. Appreciate him sponsoring the podcast, and hopefully we'll have him back on next week. Uh, let's roll through these pretty quickly. We've got college first. Uh, tonight, Pitt minus 3.5 on the road at Syracuse. Jesus Christ. Uh, Pitt. Ohio State minus 27 at Northwestern. Ohio State. All right, transitioning into Saturday. I think I'm going to go. Wait, are you going to pick these? Yeah, no, I'll go Syracuse and Ohio State. Okay. Uh, let's see. I'm just going to go interesting ones. Virginia's minus three at home against Duke. Uh, Virginia, Duke sucks. 24 and a half. Clemson's a 24 and a half favorite on the road at Louisville. I'll go Louisville. Who's at Louisville? Clemson minus twenty four and a half oh, at Louisville. Clemson. I'm gonna go Louisville. I don't. I think Clemson sleepwalking through the season. I think Louisville's okay. I don't want to pick Kansas, Texas. 
Florida catching five. Uh, South Carolina catching five at home against Florida. I'm going South Florida. Carolina. That's a trap. Oh, I'm going Florida. I think the line overcorrected or whatever. Since they upset them, I'll go Florida. I think Florida rebounds. Georgia minus twenty five and a half at home against Kentucky. I think Georgia rebounds and probably kicks the hell out of them. I'm gonna take Kentucky. Oregon minus two and a half on the road at Washington. Washington's the sexy pick here. I'm going Oregon. Yeah, Oregon. Uh, what's the spot? LSU minus seventeen and a half at Mississippi State. I don't think Mississippi State can score LSU. Yeah, well LSU defense sucks, but I don't know how State's going to stop them. So yeah, LSU. Tennessee is plus thirty four and a half at Alabama third Saturday in October. What a rivalry! Yeah, I'll take Tennessee and hate myself. Sure, too many points. I'll do the same. I guess I don't know. Uh, interesting one here. Undefeated Baylor is a three and a half point underdog at Oklahoma State. That means Oklahoma State's winning. Yeah, probably so. I guess I'll go with the mullet. Auburn minus nineteen and a half at Arkansas. Auburn. Texas A and M minus six against Ole Miss. Oh God, I hate myself. Uh, Texas A and M. I'll probably actually go Ole Miss on that. I don't think they'll win the game, but six is a lot. What you What do you take for Auburn Arkansas? Oh, I that is. Arkansas. Okay. Vanderbilt is a 21-point favorite. The other team. I don't even care. The other team. Yeah, Missouri's 21-point favorite. Yeah, sure. Yeah, Yeah, I think Missouri is pretty good. Michigan is... You said Vanderbilt and Madison Central High School, and I was taking Madison Central. Yeah, they're having all kinds of problems. Although, whoever gets... Somebody made this point on a radio show. We did our winners and losers segment. As we do every Monday, the guy said, winner, whoever gets Derek Mason as a defensive coordinator, I think that's a fair point. Well, this just needs to, because McIntyre is going to be up for that job on this, because he takes this thing, he'll get Mason. Yeah, just swap. Penn State minus nine at home against Michigan. Penn State. Yeah, I think Penn State, I think Michigan's offense is atrocious. I just... Low-key, Penn State's a national title contender. Yeah, they're not, they're kind of flying under the radar, because Ohio State's really getting a lot of the pub there. So I'll go Penn State. I think they're pretty good. And, like, Michigan's offense is awful. I don't really they're see. Atrocious. Here's an interesting one that you could make. it. I saw Godfrey was making an argument for this to get game day instead of Michigan-Penn State. And I don't necessarily disagree. SMU's become them and Baylor, two Texas schools that have become, become the surprise story of the college football season. Shane Bouchel, uh, SMU is, like, back-back, it seems like, it to some degree. Yeah, yeah, like, going to make a, a group of, or a, a, what, what is it? One of the big bowls. Yeah. Bowl. There we go. SMU is minus nine at home against Temple. I think I'll probably go Temple. Yeah, I'm going to take Temple. That's too many. Uh, so now we will transition to NFL. I've got the NFL picks up now. Let's see. I lied. It's not loading. Here we Speaking go. Speaking of NFL real quick, uh, you, you think the Chiefs, if Mahomes is out for a while, make any sort of trade for Mariota? Ah, uh, not a bad fit. No, it depends on how long it was. I didn't watch that game very closely last night. I was kind of locked into baseball, but I didn't think there's a rumor he's out for the year. Yeah, no, I, I I've heard that. So I was going to say it depends on how long it is, because like as as Adam Schefter reported, which I love this type of reporting, which I'm not questioning Adam Schefter's credentials as a reporter, but he's like, you know, it could be three to six weeks, or the worst case scenario is that he's out for the year. It's like. Hey, thanks, man. Like, 
Yeah. If what is, is what is you, it? I would, if I'm them, I'd do it. Are you really going to do Marcus Mariota, though? What, I mean, what's your other option? Matt Moore? Ted Bridgewater? Yeah, but Br- they need Bridgewater for... They're going to need Bridgewater past the deadline, though. I'm trying to, next week. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm trying to think who else. Case Keenum, but he hasn't. I mean, play- Eli's the only other option. I guess Nick Foles, maybe. I'm sure, I'm gonna do that because I mean, Nick Foles has a long contract. Well, what about Gardner Minshew? <laughs> I guess that's true. I don't know. Could be interesting. Depends on how long he's out. Uh, let's see. All right, here we go. I haven't even taken a glance at who plays each other this week, so it's oh, it's another week where you've got like eight early games and two late games. Anyway, let's roll through it. Arizona's catching three at New York Giants. Oh, God. Uh, Arizona. I think I'm going to go Danny Dimes here. He's done pretty good against bad teams. Houston is a one-point underdog at Indianapolis. I think I'm going to go Deshaun Watson. Although, in terms of like a organization, if there's a... Like, I don't think the NFL has this, but like if there's a award to the most stable organization in the NFL, what other organization loses their franchise quarterback in his three and two? Yeah. Well, the Pats would be fine, but yeah. Uh, he loses their franchise quarterback to retirement three weeks before the season, and they're three and two with a road win at at at, uh, at Kansas City. Yeah. I think I'm still going to take the Pats. Uh, so. I am too, but I just think they deserve a hat tip there. Uh, Frank Reich, pretty good coach. Chris Bauer, yeah. really good general manager. Uh, Buffalo is a 17-point home favorite against Miami. I'd, Dear God, Buffalo's a 17-point favorite, and I think I'd lay them. Detroit is a two-point underdog at home against the Vikings. Give me Detroit. Sure. What you, did you take the Bills or the, uh, the Dolphins? Oh, yeah, sorry, the Bills. Yeah, I can't take okay. the Dolphins in good faith. Um, the Packers are minus five at home against Oakland. Oakland 3-2 and two off a of bye week. Give me the Raiders. Okay. I'm, I'm going to lay them. Cincinnati is a four-point home underdog against Jacksonville. I see no reason for Cincinnati to ever, like, I, 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 I can't do it. Jacksonville, go Minshew. Yeah, I, I'll be dead before I pick up Cincinnati. Atlanta's a three-point home underdog to the Rams. Rams got issues, got to win the game. The Falcons are not very good. Give me the Rams. Yeah. God, the Rams got issues, though. San Francisco is taking the Rams. Yeah, San Francisco is a nine and a half point road favorite at Washington. Earlier this week, Kyle Shanahan was asked about what was the best part about working in Washington, and he said working for getting to work with my father. Someone asked what the worst part was, and he said everything else. I think he's going to hang seventy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll lay him just from that comment. Yeah, yeah San Francisco. The Chargers are a ugh, what a gross game. The Chargers are a two and a half point underdog at the Titans in a late game. Uh, give me Dear the God. You've got to pick the Titans. Yeah, I guess you have to. I I, I don't. I, without any logic, I guess you have to. Titans. Baltimore is a three point underdog at Seattle. Seattle. Yeah, Seattle. I don't. I haven't seen the Ravens beat a good team yet. Uh, yeah, Ch- they're not going to. Chicago's a three and a half point home favorite over New Orleans. I'm going to go the Saints here. Yeah, I'm going to quit sticking against the Saints. So the Saints. Dallas minus two and a half Sunday night football host in Philly. I'm done with Dallas. Go Eagles. I, I, yeah, I tend to think that too. 
Sure. Monday Night Football, the Jets are catching 10.5 at home against the Patriots. I'm going to go Sam Darnold. That looked like a different team last week. That's a ton of points to be a home. Who are they playing? They're a home underdog to the Pats. 10.5. Yeah, sure. I'll take the Jets. Why not? All right, that's all we got picks-wise. That'll be your job to get it ready for next Wednesday. Uh, we've got Greg's picks, so we'll just add him in. Uh, or we'll get Greg's picks before the game start, obviously. We'll add those in and kind of keep a running total. So if you want to get rich by picking with us or fading us, have at it. Um, what else we got? So uh, Houston's up 3-1 to one. that series. Is, that's over. Yeah, probably because you've got, what, Verlander and Cole now back-to-back days. If you're Houston, you hold Verlander, right? I think so. Um, but if you throw him tonight, does it make a huge difference? Um, my argument would be that, let's see, tonight, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. I mean, I just would rather have two shots at home with my best two pitchers. I would rather tell New York, you've got to come to Houston and beat Verlander and Cole. Oh, oh, oh I see what you're saying. Now, I thought you were talking about for like the World Series beginning on Wednesday. No, no, no. I just pitched someone else tonight, and, and if they win tonight, whatever. I'll go home and throw Verlander in game six. Yeah, I, I would agree with that line of thinking. That that makes sense. I, I, I would agree there. Uh, let's see. What else? Oh, I wanted to get to the Joe Moorhead-Rutgers thing because I kind of find this fascinating because it's be, picking up more and more steam, and I saw a couple people on their beat, uh, and I, I'm not trying to, like, poke fun or anything, but they were kind of dispelling the rumors, and it's like, one, the rumor is not that he wants the job. The rumor is that Rutgers wants to go after him, which I think would be undoubtedly true. I think both can be true. I think they can, but what it, what NewJersey.com was reporting yesterday was not that Joe Moorhead wants the Rutgers job. It's that Rutgers is it, what it is he's one of Rutgers' top candidates. Yeah, they, no, I mean, they want he him. certainly is. It's like, use uh, a little nuance here. Use your brain. Yeah, that, that's been a rumor for a while, too. Look, man, coaches in this industry, unless you're winning at a ridiculously high level and you control the entire campus, a la Lincoln Riley, a la Nick Saban, honestly getting to the point where it's becoming a la Ed Orgeron if he finishes his year like some people think they might, coaches are looking for a restart. That's why Daniel Holgerson took a group of five job. Like, you're either fired or about to be fired and you're falling somewhere in between. So, like, anytime you can get a fresh start, this obviously has not worked out here like Moorhead thought it would. You could tell. I thought his press conference on on Monday was telling. It was almost like, I mean, Zaydad described it as a cry for help. I'm not sure I'd go that far. But one, it was bizarre. And two, he seems like a nice man, but he seems not comfortable in his own skin here, and he seems a little bit over his head. So why Which is not? why I think he's going to be, there's going to be mutual interest in that Rutgers job. Right. They're going to pay well. Well, yeah, and it's a rebuild to where you're no, like, look, I, unless Rutgers is very, very dumb, they, like, you have to know this is a half decade long rebuild minimum, so you got to give the guy a long leash, so why not? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. I, you don't think Mississippi State fires him in any circumstance this year, right? I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe four and eight, and Ole Miss trounces them in the Egg Bowl. But man, that's Joe Moorhead's hand. I mean, excuse me, John Cohen's handpicked guy, and you're going to ax him after year two? It's been a bad two years if that's the case, though. I mean, I guess, but they did win eight games last year. I get the offense. Yeah, I get all that, but like, I don't know. I don't really see a realistic scenario where that happens. I do think if he has any interest in the Rutgers job, State will offer no pushback. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm fascinated to, to see how that kind of plays out because I think he knows that, that people, I mean, obviously, you know, people up down here aren't, aren't happy with him. Um, 
and like you said, it seems like a, a, a pretty good dude. Um, I think there's going to be some mutual interest there unless Mississippi State picks it up over the last five or six weeks. Yeah, and another thing with regards to that is is interesting is like Borky brought this up on the show the other day. Is one if you did fire Morehead after uh, year two, does that send a message to other coaches of like, wow, I, do you really want to take this job? And so I don't necessarily think that's the case. And then Haydad brought the point: Are there any bad optics of losing a coach to Rutgers? And it's like, no, I mean maybe, but no, come on, man. Like anyone who did a quick Google search knows that State was not probably going to try to keep him very hard. I mean, West Virginia game. hired one of the better uh, group of five coaches in, in Neil Brown after they lost Holgerson. So no, not really. Yeah, so I don't agree with that. That's a fascinating situation. Uh, is there anything else we missed? No, that's it. All right, so we'll be back at it on Monday. We appreciate you guys listening one more time. Go see Greg. If you're coming to town this weekend, you want to throw something on the grill, whether it's in the Grove, whether it is, I don't know, in the Grove, at the house watching football, whatever, go see Greg across from Kroger University Avenue. Steaks, sausages, custom cuts. He's got seafood. they got all kinds of stuff there. Anything you want to throw on the grill, any kind of sides, Greg's got it. He's got all kinds of delicious sausages plate lunches he's got daily specials go see greg at lb's university avenue across from kroger it is the best place to get meat anywhere in mississippi and definitely in oxford for that matter so go see greg we appreciate him sponsoring the podcast we'll have greg's picks up for next week and he's apparently the meat chart because he did better than we did so you can go to greg for all of your meat and gambling needs uh be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast rate and review the podcast we appreciate you guys listening uh if you if you rate it, you can say whatever you want in the comments. Give us four or five stars, but we appreciate you guys listening. And we'll be back at it on Monday. For Colin Brister, I am Brian Scott Ribby. Everybody have a safe weekend and pour one out in the vault if you're going to be there. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.